I've been looking forward to today because it's always good. Um, September, it always just feels like a fresh start. I think it's because we're all sort of, it's grained into us, the academic system. And so we get to the end of August and, and regardless of whether we're anything to do with school anymore, we still kind of feel that there's something new happening. It's, it's a new term. We've had a time of rest over the summer, hopefully, and, uh, and now we're ready to go again. So do people feel refreshed? Have you had a, had a summer? Have you managed to have some time where you've enjoyed weather and peace and quiet? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, that's good. That's good. To be honest, I must admit, I was expecting a, the normal sort of muted response there, so that's really encouraging. I'm pleased that, that, that many people feel they've had that time. Um, having a wife that works in a school and a son who also works in a school, I suppose... Um, <laughs> I am dictated by school terms, and so August for me is, is very much the school holidays still. And we've, we've had a lovely time this summer. We've been, to, been away for a, um, a few different breaks here and there. And one of them was down in Dorset, where I've got some family that live there. And they took us one day down to Portland Bill, down to... It's a, it's a funny place. You've, you drive through it, and they say, oh, there, there's, a, there, there's one prison. Oh, there's the other prison. Oh, yeah, there's a new prison they're building. Yeah. Oh, that prison's not used anymore. But the, the reason we went there is because um, they've got this brilliant lighthouse right on the end. And um, we, we climbed the lighthouse, and it's a, it's a fascinating place to go. Um, but the most impressive thing for me was we went on a day when it was particularly stormy. There was, there was sunshine, but the sea was phenomenal. The swell was like nothing I've ever seen. And uh, Timothy was mesmerised. He'd never seen the sea. So one minute it's up here, the next minute it's down there. It, it just the sheer power of it. You, could just, you, could just, you just knew that if you, if, you, if you fell in that, you wouldn't stand a chance. If a ship was in there, there's no hope. And uh, Tim and I walked as close as we could dead to the, to the edge and then Tim sort of said just one more step, just one more step so we kept on going and going and going and we could hear the seagulls squawking and squawking and there was one in particular that I, I sort of thought that sounds in pain but I ignored it because we were getting closer and closer and closer to the edge and then suddenly this wave came and Tim and I both got quite wet but at that point we began to step back and this seagull was going ballistic and then I suddenly looked around and realised that it was actually Joe screeching at me and Timothy <laughs> to get back from the edge so, I got a, bit, got a bit told off for that. But, <laughs> yes, it is being recorded, you're quite right. Um, but you see, while we were down in Dorset, we went to a little village called Moonfleet. And some of you might know, Moonfleet is a title of, of a fantastic adventure story. It's all about smugglers and treasure maps and searching for, for a lost jewel. It's brilliant. And it's set in this tiny little village on the Dorset coast. And... When, in the early part of the story, the hero, John Trenchard, um, has to run away from the revenue and, uh, and disappear for a little while, he says to his, his childhood sweetheart, Grace Maskew, um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And she says, the sea's dangerous, you're, you're going by ship. This place is notorious for shipwrecks. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Every night, in my window that looks out to sea, I will leave a candle burning. And until you return that candle will be lit at my window every night so that at least I am doing my bit to guide your ship safely home when the time comes. Towards the end of the story, 
I won't give it all away what happens, but towards the end of a story, John is on a ship, this is about ten years later, and it's dark and it's stormy and the sea is throwing his ship up and down and, and they know they're going to be wrecked. They, they've lost control, the rigging's been torn down and they are in, in peril. And then as they're looking to try and get any sense of where they are, they can't see the stars because the, the clouds are thick and there's the odd flash of lightning. They know that there's rock and there's land nearby, but the lightning isn't enough for them to see um, where they are and to navigate. And then John suddenly sees this pinprick of light and he knows that that is the candle that ten years on, Grace is still lit for him. And she's been true to her word. And it ends up saving his life. The reason I tell you that is because having been to the village of Moonfleet this summer, I reread the book and I was all excited about it. It's a, it's a great sort of childhood adventure. Um, but this morning, this morning, we're reminding ourselves of the promise that the, that the Bible tells us. The promise that for each and every person in this world, the light of the world is always shining to guide us back home. The offer of salvation is never denied to anybody who sees that light and chooses to follow it. Whatever we might think of our neighbour, our, our worst enemy, our colleagues, our boss, our family members, whatever we might think of people, however we might judge people, God's love never fails. Now we're here this morning, most of us, certainly, maybe all of us, because we, we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of God. We've, we've, we've heard the gospel message, we've, we've read the life story of Jesus, we've read scripture, we've decided this is how we want to live our lives, we want to be obedient to scripture, we want to please God, and we want, on that day, when we stand before him in judgement, we want to join with him for eternity in heaven. And if we've made that decision, if we've made that choice, the Bible says it, it won't be denied us. But, but, if we're serious about our faith, then we should be serious about fulfilling the mission that Jesus left us. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And when Jesus, when Jesus rose back to heaven, that mission was passed on to us. We are told, aren't we, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising in the name of the, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now it's difficult, isn't it, sometimes, because... Let's face it, we are a small-ish congregation. And in the nicest possible way, none of us are spring chickens. And so it's really easy for us to have a bit of a, a woe-is-me attitude. It's all right for, for bigger churches or richer churches or, or churches in the middle of, of cities or whatever it might happen to be. It's all right for others. They can they can go and they can do these amazing things, they can have these missions, they can have these outreaches, they can do all this stuff. But you know what? We can too. I mentioned a few months ago that later in the year we're going to run an alpha course. This is the book, this is the, the, um, the leader's 
book that you use when you're running an alpha course. And in November time, we're going to start an alpha course. And we're going to start it here. It's going to be open across all three congregations, of course. Anybody, anybody's welcome to come. But the reason we're doing that is because, because Alpha is such an effective tool to reach out to people. When I was at, when I was at Spurgeon's, we, um, we, we did studies of various different outreach courses. And I, some of them, they all had positives and negatives. But for me, although this has been around for a long time now, I think it's still the most effective course going. So that's why we've chosen to, to, use, to use Alpha as a platform. Now, what can you do to contribute? The best thing that you can do to contribute is read three parables. Three parables that will be very, very familiar to many of you. It won't be anything new. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep where we read about the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and suddenly one day finds that one's missing. And so devotes all his time and energy into searching and searching and searching and finds this one, lifts it, carries it back, puts it with the rest of the flock and then holds a massive party to celebrate that suddenly the whole flock is back together. That's the first parable. The second one is the parable of the lost coin where we read about a lady who, who has, has ten silver coins and loses one. And she turns the house upside down looking for it because she, she knows she had it, but she just can't find it. She's lost it. And so she searches and searches and searches and then finds it and then throws a party. She's so happy. She's so relieved. She's found it. She celebrates and shares the good news. And then finally, the parable of the lost son the prodigal son, where we read about a father with two sons and one of them says, I'm bored here, give me my inheritance now, I'm going to go and enjoy myself. And so he goes off and blows his entire inheritance on all sorts of um, bad, uh, bad things, bad, bad uh, life decisions that he makes and then finds himself eventually feeding pigs and finds himself so hungry that he's actually tempted to eat the pig food because he has nothing and he realises that the only thing he can do is return to his father. So he goes back expecting to be um, chastised and to be um, treated like a servant but actually he is welcomed with open arms. There's a party, he's given um, great honour, he's given a, a, a ring, his sandals, a, a robe, his, the fatted calf is killed. There's this huge celebration. You see these three these three parables, they're all about something being lost and then something being found. We are told to seek and save the lost. Evangelism is a word that many people don't like because evangelism has echoes of uncomfortable conversations, very, very awkward moments, challenges when someone says, why do you go to church? Why do you believe in God? It's just a load of fairy stories, that sort of, that sort of thing. Or maybe, why does your God allow so much suffering? Why did your God allow my, my child to die? Why did your God allow my spouse to leave me? Why did your God allow me to have all these issues that I've got? Where's your God in that? And that can be really hard. For me, the hardest thing about running an Alpha course 
isn't ordering all the materials, although the website does its best to make that really difficult. Um, It isn't um, getting people to to make cakes and to set out chairs and and do all the the administrative duties. It isn't standing in front of a load of non-Christians facing their questions. The hardest thing about running an Alpha is inviting people. The hardest thing as a church is looking and saying... There's an empty seat there, and there, and there, and there, and there, and there's a row there. That means that we're incomplete. That means that we've got space for more. That means that we should have an appetite to grow. We should be praying for for the person who one day is going to come and fill this empty seat. Where are they now? What are they going through? Who are they? For the month of September... I want us all to be intentional about inviting as many people as we can to come to this Alpha course. I haven't committed to a day of the week because I want people to tell me what suits them best. And then we can, we can work around that. Because if we, if we tell them it's going to be on a Thursday night and they've got a long-running commitment on a Thursday night and that's the only night of the week they have a commitment, we've shut that down. We, they can't come. So let's give them an opportunity. Let's be as, as flexible as we possibly can be. But for this, this next four or five weeks, let's invite as many people. And I can almost guarantee that for some of us, we'll be having a conversation and say, look, come along. And they'll say, well, why should I? Why should I? Tell them just to come along one night, the first night, and ask that question. Come along that one night and ask the question, why should I bother coming along for the next 12 weeks? Because that's the sort of question that I want people to be asking as part of the Alpha course. Why should I? Because the answer is is not something that you can just give glibly over a a 30-second conversation. It's an an answer that's going to be life-changing. Of course there's an answer to that question, but we've got to be, we've got to be intentional. We've got to make sure that we, we, we allow them to ask that question in the right circumstances, at the right time, when they can sit and they can listen to the answer that is given. Some of you would have never come across the Alpha course, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to read the list of, um, of, of session titles. Okay, so every week there's a, there's a title to the session. The first one, it says, Is there more to life than this? Second one, who is Jesus? The third one, why did you die? The fourth one, how can we have faith? The fifth one, why and how do I pray? The sixth one, why and how Then, how does God guide us? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I resist evil? Why and how should I tell others? Does God heal today? What about the church? And then finally, how can I make the most of the rest of my life? That is a comprehensive course. That covers so much about the Christian faith. No one can go on that that course and attend every week and listen to it and come away not having at least been challenged on where they stand when it comes to the question of faith. 
They would have experienced prayer. They would have heard about the church. They would have had all sorts of questions answered. It's such a good course. It covers so much. And yes, it is a commitment, but Jesus has committed to us, so we need to be encouraging others to commit to him. This is something that we can all do. You see, so many people, myself included at times, shy away from evangelism. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. But what we mustn't do is judge ourselves. Because evangelism only fails if we don't do it. You see, say there's, I don't know, 30 people here today. Okay? 40 people, let's be optimistic. And each one of us speak to 10 people in the next month and invite them on an Alpha course. That's 400 people. Okay, so November comes and we're sitting in there or in here, wherever it happens to be, and no one turns up. We pack away the chairs. We haven't had the slightest bit of interest. And we all feel a little bit crestfallen, to say the least. And we... We pray and we try and encourage each other, but we go away with a, an empty feeling that we've somehow failed. But we'd be wrong. Evangelism only fails if we don't even try. Because, you see, if that happens on that night in November, I will be saying to you, 400 people have been challenged on whether or not they'll come to an Alpha course. 400 people have thought about whether or not they want to come. 400 people have, have at least at least suddenly had that moment, uh, do I, don't I? And then maybe they've gone away and they've thought, well, why don't I? What is the big deal? We just don't know what people have going on behind closed doors. You see, 400 people, that's a massive number. Even if it's 200, 150 people who otherwise won't have been challenged, we don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing. We don't know how the Holy Spirit is going to use us how that one awkward conversation where we leave feeling a little bit deflated and rejected, we don't know what that person is going to take away from that conversation. We don't know in ten years' time where they're going to be. But if we don't have the conversation, then we don't give God, through his Holy Spirit, the opportunity to do something. God uses us if we're useful to him. If we're too scared, if we, if we, don't, if we don't actually believe in that, that immeasurable power that we spoke about at the start of the service, if we, if, we, if we just shy away, if we're not proud of our faith and our God, then we're not much use. We're still saved individually, but we're not much use. So for the next month, let's be useful for God. Let's do something. Let's, every conversation, we're going we're to drop in Alpha Course. We're going to invite people along. We're going to tell people and give them the opportunity. We'll give them the opportunity to say no, but at least they've made a decision, a yes or a no. There's um, an American pastor called Kyle Eidelman, and... Um, He's a, he's, a, he's a good preacher and he wrote a book here. It's called Praying for Your Prodigal. He says how he asked his Facebook friends to finish this sentence for him. So everyone that he's friends with on Facebook, he 
put it out there. He said, um, finish this sentence. I'm just interested to know what you're going to say. I stopped running from God when... Fill in the blank. And he lists in this book some of the responses that he had. I stopped running from God when... Clear that I had made a mess of things. I stopped running from God when I hit rock bottom. I stopped running from God when she filed for divorce. I stopped running from God when I heard myself say the words, I'm an alcoholic. I stopped running from God when people found out about my secret. I stopped running from God when the pregnancy test came back positive. I stopped running from God when the path I was on came to a dead end. I stopped running from God when I woke up in a hospital after an overdose. I stopped running from God when I was in the back of a police car. I stopped running from God when I was fired for embezzlement. I stopped running from God when the affair was discovered. I stopped running from God when I realised I had nowhere else to go. I find that interesting because none of those... None of those responses are long-term. None of those are, I stopped running from God over a period of time. I just slowed down as I thought about it and I came to realise that maybe it was, worth, it was worth looking into and I learnt more about faith and finally, a few years later, I made a commitment. They are all, I stopped running from God when my life exploded. Just like that, when everything went wrong. That was the moment. We don't know what is going on in the lives of all those people that we will speak to in the next 30 days. We don't know what experiences they've got. We don't know what their biggest fears are. We don't know if they've just had the worst news they could possibly have. And so even if it's people that over the years you've spoken to time and time again and they, they've, they've belittled you and made you feel a bit silly for having faith and they've, they've just seemed to have answers to disprove things and you're kind of a little bit scared of it. Don't be. Have faith in the power of God because what if that person has suddenly had one of those situations that I've just read from that book, what if they're suddenly facing that and they're at the point where they find it's time for them to stop running from God? If they are, They'll be looking for an invitation. They'll be wanting someone to, to offer God to them. And that's what we can do through inviting people on the Alpha course. You see, it will take sacrifice as well. Running a, running a course like this when you've got limited resources in a church, it does require sacrifice. A sacrifice of prayer from the word go. I urge you, I, 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 I beg you to be praying and praying and praying that this Alpha Course can, can change lives, can reach out to people, that it will, it will bring people in to this church, that will bring people into the kingdom of God, whether it's this church or whether it's, whether it's a personal faith. The most important thing is that we bring people to God. It's interesting in the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd in searching for the one, leaves the 99 in the open country and goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. So that might mean that 
there are some things that we can't do. That might mean that there are certain things that we have to say in the short term, we're going to just leave that on the back burner because we're going to focus on evangelism. This congregation is incredible at looking after one another. There are so many people here who have got hearts of gold, hearts for for others, just serve others relentlessly. And I'm in awe of you. That is a fantastic thing for a church to be able to do. But now we're going to do something we're not very comfortable with. Now we're going, to, we're going to take on a challenge, the challenge of evangelism. We're going to get people into this, into this school and we're going to give them the gospel because that's what we should be doing. We are taking on that, that, that mantle, that, that mission to seek and save the lost. This area is full of the lost. We will all have fen- friends, family, neighbours, whoever, colleagues maybe, who are the lost. We can seek them, we can find them, and we can save them by introducing them to the good news of Jesus Christ. So why? Why do we need to do this? Why why can't we just keep ticking along happily as we are? Well, our motivation. At the end of the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus says, I tell you, In the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's echoed again at the end of the parable of the lost coin. Jesus says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this, because... We should, be, we should be motivated by that. We should be excited and enthused by that. We can trigger a party in heaven. We can trigger rejoicing and celebration. We can bring joy to God by having those awkward conversations, by putting ourselves through a, a little bit of anxiety, perhaps, through maybe feeling a bit silly. But you know what? Tomorrow that will be forgotten. We'll move on. But if, if, one person comes to faith through this course, then it brings joy to God. We, as a, as a fellowship, as a congregation, would have brought joy to God. Each and every single one of us can do that. No matter how, how, how young and inexperienced we feel, or old and frail we might feel, we can serve God. Because his power is so, so, so much more powerful than we can possibly imagine. And when people out there, people out there who are lost, when they are in a storm, when they're being tossed and turned, when they're being thrown, they know that any second now the rigging's going to come down, they're going to have no control over where life's going, they're worried that they're going to hit the rocks and crash and burn and it's all going to be disaster. They, they have the promise that on the shoreline there will always, always be that pinprick of light guiding them home. But if we don't tell them where home is, what hope is there for them? So this is the start of a new term, the start of a new season. I'm so excited 
For me personally, I've finished college, I've finished studies, I've, I've taken some time out over the summer and I'm ready to go. But I can't do it on my own. Let's pray. Let's, let's intentionally invite people and let's see what God does amongst us as a congregation here at South Green and across the other congregations as well. Let's see if we can make a massive difference if we can change lives by bringing people to our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we stand here today and we recognise that each and every one of us at some point in our lives will have been lost. And we acknowledge, Lord, that there would have been people in our lives who searched for us, who found us, and who guided us home. And although we are still on that journey, Father, we, we pray that you will help us, as part of our journey, to seek others, and to call them, and to bring them along, and to guide them home too. So, Father, please release us from from fear or anxiety. Take any doubt away from us and replace it, Lord, with, with a boldness, with a determination, with an utter, utter faith that every conversation we have, we give you an opportunity to enter into someone's life, to, to prompt a, a question, to encourage people to go away and to think. We pray, Lord, you'll give us the, the confidence, not in ourselves necessarily, but in you, in your ability to work through us. And Father, we pray for all those people that are going to come on this course. We pray that with faith and with confidence, Lord, because we know that you are Lord. We know that you will be already laying the, laying the groundwork You know what's going on in the lives of of everybody around us. And so, Father, we pray that you will ensure that we speak to the right people. That we speak to those in particular who are maybe going through a time of stopping running from God. Lord, we pray that we can be the catalyst that changes their lives and that you will be the power behind it. We pray, Father, we can bring people to you, that we can can be directing them to you always. But especially in this month, we pray, Father, that we can see a real real rise of faith and that we can all, we can all do our bit to seek for the lost and to guide them home. Heavenly Father, we give thanks that you you are with us in all that we do. Never do you leave us, never do you forsake us. And we pray that you will help us to be good and faithful servants in your power. Through the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.